Yeah. Okay. Uh, we are going back. We are going to uh, the poem, right? And we are looking at it again. We talked about the first line yesterday. We get into the second line. No need to remember the pain, right? Today the world is a little more my own, right? And that's a big, big question that we have because when we say the today the world is a little more my own, it also means today the world is less my own because I know so much about the world that some parts of it are mine, some parts of it I can't own, right? Yeah, and that's important because. Uh, which world are we talking about and is there one world or is, are there many worlds right and we have especially these problems in India because we have something called caste we have something called religion right uh, of course other people do have all those things but uh, caste especially is something that gives us different worlds right and some of the worlds cannot be transcended right uh, yeah so you, you talk to anybody uh, who is married into a Dalit family, okay, or talk to a Dalit who is married into an upper caste family, okay, and you find uh, a lot of problems. And in some, in fact, there is another Indian English poet called uh, Ramanujan, right, uh, who was, uh, I think, a classmate of Girish Karnat, and uh, the other uh, person is uh, Anand Murthy, Yuan Anand Murthy. Right, so all of them are now dead. Girish Karnad was the last, right? But what is interesting is uh, Ramanujan has a poem called Poem to a Wife One and Poet Poem to a Wife Two. It's not two wives, poem one and poem two, right? Yeah, and he says over there, uh, and he's using the idea of memory, he's using the idea of incompatibility, which is a very modern theme, right? Yeah. And of course, the story is that he, he left his wife, oh, uh, there was some problem there, right? Uh, but uh, that's a different story because that's the personal life of somebody, right? But what is important, okay, is that uh, he says, uh, my father should slap soap on his back, right? And bathe at the village well and all those kind of things. Now, the question is, when we're talking about all that, can we really understand? So he says, you will never understand, you'll never know how it was because my experience and your experience, uh, we can't come together and you will never know what happened to me and I will never know what happened to you, right? Which is not something that's unique to him, but it's something that all of us have, right? Yeah, we go to private spaces, okay, and uh, nobody will know what happened to us, right? Yeah, so that's something that's interesting and something that makes everyone in the modern world a minority, right? Yeah, because you think differently, I think differently, what happens in your mind, what happens in my mind, these are things and the experiences that I've had, the world that I've seen, and that's where we had this argument, right? That uh, we're talking about today the world is a little more my own, right? So which world is more my own, right? And the patriarchal world, Right? It's one kind of world, yeah? And uh, does a woman own a patriarchal world? These are all the questions that come up because she's writing from a very feminist point of view, right? And at the same time, we're post-colonial subjects. Can we own the European world? Yes and no, right? Yeah, we're owning the European world in as much as we read their text, right? 
we get somewhat influenced by them, right? But we also have a different kind of reality outside, right? We might have a government which is based on European structures, right? We have some ideas of modern European thought which are part of our uh, setup in the government and the constitution, etc., right? And the government itself is set up on British uh, kind of models with the House of Lords and the House of Commons and the Rajya Sabha and the Lok Sabha. All those kind of things are there, right? But will we own that world, right? Will we own a kind of an English world unless we live there and work there and spend all our life over there, right? Yeah, so uh, at one level, this is a nice, very interesting line. Today, the world is a little more my own, right? Yeah, and then the question is, in the whole poem, she's saying, well, uh, is it or is it not? So that's a question that you have. And actually, instead of a statement, which it is in, uh, in the linguistic form of it, right? It actually raises a lot of questions about today, my world, the world, right? Okay, it's not my world, but the world, right? Is a little more my own, right? So what is mine and what is not mine, right? And the question is, how do I possess anything except in imagination, right? So that's something that we might like to think about, right? No need to remember the pain a blue-flocked woman caused throwing words at me like pots and pans to drain the honey-colored day of peace, right? Now, she's talking about a blue-flocked woman caused, right? Now, that's talking about uh, this time when the British were in India, right? Okay, and of course, some people have adopted uh, British costumes, that is, they don't wear saris, but they wear uh, the frocks, which, is, which were common uh, in England and in India, and is still common uh, in a lot of parts of the world, right? Yeah, and in India, you normally had, especially, she's talking about this in Calcutta, right? And even now in Calcutta, you have a lot of people who come to college in sari, right? Yeah, so that's something that is interesting, interesting and of course, if you talk about um, uh, the salwar suits and all those kind of things that people wear, right? Women wear today, right? I remember when we met Nirad Babu in Oxford, he was already 100 and uh, in a few months after that he died, right? One of the interesting things that happened is he actually uh, says that, look, uh, maybe a year after that he died, right? Yeah, uh, he actually uh, told a, a Bengali companion of ours who when we all went to see him, right? He called her and he said, why are you wearing a Muslim dress, right? Yeah, and if he comes to India, he'll get a shock because this has become, by and large, the most comfortable dress for women. And women are not uh, into wearing saris, by and large, all over India, right? Yeah, so you find this is a cultural shift and that's very interesting because at one level you're talking about the idea of Kamala Das changing religion and all that kind of thing and then she goes into a Gurkha, right? Yeah, so those are the pictures that we get uh, in her later years and of course the marriage was, the second marriage was uh, quite unhappy, right? Yeah, that's what I uh, remember, I don't really know because I studied Kamala Das a long time ago and I just read snippets here and there, right? Uh, no need to remember the pain a blue frocked woman caused, right? Now the whole idea of blue frock and the idea of 
the idea of uh, uh, what do you call it? Culture, right? Yeah. So uh, a blue frock might mean a patriarchal, uh, not a patriarchal, but a post-colonial or a colonial kind of. Uh, it stands for the colonial woman, right? Yeah. So the idea of the blue frock woman is we're talking about another culture. We're talking about uh, an Anglo-Indian, uh, Anglo-Indian or a European, right? Yeah. And I don't know if I said this to you because uh, there's a friend of mine in the biochemistry department. He went to a school called Bishop School, right, in Pune, and I went to Vincent's, and mine was an SEC school, and he was a person who was into Bishop School, which is uh, what you call the, uh, it was an ICSE school. When the British were here in India, uh, nobody would be allowed, no Indians were allowed to go to the school, right? They, uh, and of course, when the British were slowly going away, the Anglo-Indians were allowed, uh, I think it was only for Anglo-Indians and uh, British kids. Okay, and that school is still there, right? And uh, so it was a very elite school and it still has that kind of elite structure, right? Yeah, so uh, what's interesting about it is uh, the whole idea of a frog, right? So that's something strange, something different from the, the way other women were, uh, were around the place, right? Yeah, so she... She gets this idea, the blue frock woman calls, right, and that's probably the teacher, and the teacher calls her a lot of pain, right, because she didn't understand what it was, right. Now she's hitting out against the patriarchy, she's hitting out the idea of a patriarchal woman, right, just because you're a woman, you're not a feminist, right, and please do not assume that women are feminist, right, yeah, we have... Uh, what, what's that group of people? Uh, I don't know what they're called, right? Uh, yeah, they go around as feminists, but they and they do some superficial acts, like they take off their Mangal Sutra and they take off their Bindi and they do all those kind of things, which is what many other feminists also do, right? But they're not feminists at all because they inscribe patriarchal, right-wing Hindutva ideas on people, right? Yeah, so uh, are they feminists at all, right? Because you're a woman, you're not a feminist, right? Yeah, what, what is the name of the group? Durga Vahini, right? Yeah, they're a militant kind of group which are not feminist at all and they think that because they're women, they're feminist, right? Yeah, so that's something you might like to look at because some of you might be sociologists, right? And uh, even if you're a political science student or a literature person, yeah, we have to look at all these kinds of things that are going on and when we are literature people, we look at all these things and uh, think about them, right? Yeah, so the idea of a blue frock woman, right? Not a blue-eyed woman, that would be absolutely Nazi, but it's just about a blue frock woman caused throwing words at me like pots and pans, right? Right, now that's interesting, right? Now, you throw words like you throw pots and pans, right? We had a student of ours, uh, and something had gone wrong with her and she was a very, very brilliant student, right? And all of us, the whole department at the, actually that time, uh, she came early in the morning and uh, she got probably schizophrenic, right? So somebody told me that she's not speaking, one of the teachers told me that she's not speaking uh, coherently, right? And she's talking, it looks as if something is really wrong with her. So all of us got together and we went to our place, right? And then we had a, and there are probably 
a lower middle class family, right? And a lot of abuses between the, the parents don't under, the, the mother doesn't understand that she's got a mental problem, right? Yeah, though she's been in hospital and it's very sad because she was a very bright student, right? Yeah. So we all went there and uh, she's actually throwing pots and pans about, right? Now that's a kind of way of saying so like you throw pots and pans to th show your anger, right? You're throwing words at her, right? Yeah? So the pots and pans can hurt you and words can also hurt you, right? Yeah? And we go back to the nursery rhyme, okay? Uh, Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words can never hurt you, right? Yeah? So the question is, when you're talking about sticks and stones, right? So uh, those hurt you, pots and pans might hurt you, but words also hurt us, right? And all of us know that as children, we are very sensitive, right? And some things that hurt stay there for a long period of time, right? As we get into adulthood and as we grow up, we become more thick-skinned and we learn how to ignore a lot of things that are said to us, right? And which is very interesting, right? Because when we're talking about being a child, Right? Uh, we are very sensitive to everything. Right? So that's something that's important. And some things that don't make sense, don't make sense. Right? Yeah, so this is some somehow memory and what we have with psychoanalysis and all those things which were very popular in the early 20th century, right? And even in the late 20th century, I feel the 60s, 70s, right? Uh, when all these things came up, right? Uh, you go back to the past and you dialogue with your memory which you have in get style therapy and all those kind of things, right? Yeah, so that's what the confessional poets did in, in England and America, right? And that's what she's also trying to do to some extent, right? But it's more complicated because she's talking about the post-colonial, right? She's talking about uh, the idea of being a woman, right? A feminist and a post-colonial right, a post-colonial subject, right, in colonial India, right, and she's talking about herself as a child, right, so when she's talking about the pots and pans, right, and what her memory uh, is taking up, right, is that she has to fight all these enemies, right, that's the patriarchy at one level, right, the idea of a woman imbibing the patriarchy, right, and uh, therefore she acts in, in the way she acts, right? The idea of her being European and in power, and that's why, and we are colonial subjects, right? So this whole idea of the colonial coming in through women, right? That's extremely important because we find that many women who are uh, Europeans uh, wrote autobiographies, right? Uh, people like uh, Fanny Parks has written a diary, right? Now the question is, when you talk about the Europeans, you find uh, that uh, the women, okay, though some of them might have been working, right, and especially as teachers, right, but they were actually uh, used, not directly, not, not as a policy, but by and large, culturally, they were used to enculturate the people into a kind of a, a, a Western mode of operation, right. Uh, of course, Kamala Das is talking in 1934, right? And uh, she, that's when she was born, and that's uh, 34, right? Yeah, yeah. So you can take up to 44, right? So we're almost very close to independence, right? 
and uh, at, at one level, uh, the British, even though they are leaving, uh, they're still doing a lot of things, right? The India Act is in 1935, and most of the Act has become uh, what is called the Constitution of India, right? Uh, so that's uh, also important to remember, and uh, the idea is that we can't be free of that because the post-colonial encounter is something that is part of our history, right? You can't take it out, right? It's like all our Hindutva friends who think that they can take out Arabic and Persian, they can destroy the Taj Mahal, they can destroy all the uh, Islamic... Uh, it's, I don't even know whether it's right to call it Islamic because when you talk about the Taj Mahal and you talk about all the monuments in India, they're Indo-Sarazenic, right? Yeah, so they're half Indian and half uh, uh, Arabic, right? Yeah. So that's something else. So the question is, can we actually remove all these things and can we actually uh, remove the post-colonial experience and uh, remember that we are, we have a government that is uh, Western, right? Western in the sense that the structures of the government are Western, right? Uh, we have our educational system that's again Western, right? We have economics which is again Western. The most important thing is we have nationalism which is Western, right? Yeah, it's not Indian. The idea of patriotism, nationalism, all those kind of things are colonial ideas, right? Which we in India have imbibed and we're still continuing with them, right? The patriarchy, uh, of course, is uh, the Indians uh, are still very, very patriarchal and all those kind of things. What is ours is caste, right? And uh, that's again some very strong kind of indictment against us, right? Yeah, so the question is how one of the things to do is these are memories and these memories come back, right? And the thing that the confessionalists would do is they would actually go back and have a kind of a uh, psychoanalytical session with themselves, right? And they would write all those experiences down, right? Just like you do a get start therapy, you sit in one chair and you go and sit in the other chair, right? So you sit in one chair and talk as if you are uh, the, the client, then you go to the other chair and talk as if you're the counselor and nobody else is there, it's only you who are dialoguing with yourself, right? So that's what they do in this kind of confessional poetry, right? They actually uh, go back and pull up all these things of the past, right? Now, what is interesting, especially towards us art students, at one level it's a psychological blow, right? It's talking about the experience of the world outside the British contonements, right? Uh, outside the British uh, notions of being, right? Yeah, and it's also talking about the post-colonial structure, right? Because without that post-colonial structure, we wouldn't have, been, have India at all, right? And that's something that is a problem, right? You can't erase this. If you want India to, this way, you have to have your constitution, right? Yeah, you have to have all the problems that come with uh, colonialism, right? Yeah, and of course, some of the things that colonialism does is liberating, right? Like for instance, the learning of English, okay? A class where you have people of different religions, different castes, right? All sitting together, men and women sitting together, right? This is a post-colonial structure, right? And we can't go back to an earlier structure, okay? Because when we go back to an earlier structure, 
the question of what about feminism, right? What about women, right? A good prime minister, when he was the chief minister of Gujarat, was talking about we should have schools where women are taught to make chapatis and uh, look after the house, and all, which no modern woman would want to do, right? Yeah, and we can't go back to that past. That past is over, right? Anybody who thinks that we can go back to an Indian past, which is a glorious India, whatever they call it, right? Yeah, we can't go there because it's over. It's done, right? Yeah, and it might have been great. It might not have been great. Everything looks rosy uh, from the present point of view. Right? Yeah? So, whether it was great or not, we don't know. Right? When you read historical accounts, like when you read D.N. Jha, who's a historian, he doesn't give you a glorious kind of a past. He says, well, what happened over here uh, is not really as glorious as it seems to be. Right? We talk about the Gupta period, which is supposed to be glorious. Right? And uh, when he looks at it, he's talking about the Mahabharata. Right? He's talking about all this kind of possession of women and all those kind of things which happen over there in the Gupta period because they get a lot of money and because of money, the idea of possessing women is important. Right? Possessing things, possessing women, right? And that's why that my own becomes a very important thing. Right? Yeah? As a woman, okay, the idea of this is patriarchy in India, patriarchy from the West, Patriarchy operating all around and patriarchy is intangible, right? It can only be experienced, right? And it's a very abstract concept, right? Yeah, and you don't have to say that this man has done this, right? Because the men themselves are subject to the patriarchal notions of things, right? Yeah, and that's why uh, the t-shirt the that day of this woman, uh, Riya Chakravarti, was very uh, interesting, right? Yeah, let's smash the patriarchy. Now, uh, how do you smash the patriarchy? One step at a time, right? Now, you, this woman in a blue, the, a blue frocked woman, right? Yeah, uh, she doesn't even know that she is inculcating colonial values, right? And she's inculcating patriarchal values, right? And she's using all this kind of power. And that's why this poem is important because it's talking about politics in education, right? We in literature and in political science, if we have read Aristotle, Aristotle is actually talking about the idea of power, right? And he talks about the human being as a political animal, right? Yeah, and then uh, the question is, how do we inculcate a kind of politics on the people, right? And every transaction is political. Right? So we can't get rid of that. Right? We can't get rid of this idea that this is a political kind of thing that's going on. Right? So when you wear a frock, that's as political as uh, when you sit down and eat a tali. Right? Yeah? So, if you, uh, so all these things are very political choices. Right? Uh, eating with a fork and spoon and eating with a frock. Uh, uh, yeah? uh, wearing a frock, eating at the table with a fork and spoon. Right? Uh, this is a political act, right? Uh, all the enculturation is a political act, right? So we have actually moved away, right? And uh, if you take one bit of the culture, you have to take the whole culture, right? You can't take only economy and modern Western economy, and you can take the modern Western system, right? And maybe some modern kind of dresses, quote unquote, modern kind of dresses, Western dresses, right? And how do you get out of that, right? You can, okay, and you can just look at what happens to India 
after independence, right, more and more people are taking to more and more Western clothes, right? Because they're convenient or because they give them a different identity, all those reasons have to be investigated, right? So this blue frock woman stand out at that point of time, right? I don't know whether it stand out uh, uh, at all today, right? But most of my teachers used to wear uh, frocks to school, uh, to yeah, to school as teachers, right? Because that's the way. Uh, they didn't have a problem with that because they went to uh, British schools and all that, and uh, they might have been Indians. Uh, they were Indians, definitely, right? But uh, that's how they dressed, right? Now she's not telling us the identity of this woman. Was she a European? Okay, we might assume she's European. We might assume she's Anglo-Indian. We might assume she's Indian who wears a blue frock. Uh, yeah, a blue frock woman, right? Yeah. So the idea is she can be any of these, and we are talking about the identity. So the identity is not defined, right? But the blue frock definitely shows that it's post-colonial, right? Whether it's European or it's Anglo-Indian or it's Indian, right? It's post-colonial, and that's something that we can't deny, right? And the question is pain that she caused, right? Now the question is, uh, what is this idea of pain, right? We are not put in a jail, we are not beaten up like the colonials did to Africa and other parts of the world, right? Okay, and is education painful, right? So it's taking all these issues up together and that's why where is the pain? That's a question to look at, right? Uh, no need to remember the pain a blue frock woman caused, right? So when I say, oh, uh, it's not re required to remember the pain, it actually means it's still paining, right? I don't want to remember it, I want to be a stoic and say, no, no, it's paining, but let it be, right? Yeah, and what the psychoanalysis do? It asks you to go and revisit the pain, right? Feel the pain, right? Because unless you feel the pain and the pain is out, right? It's just like having a wound, right? and it hurts you, and hurts you, and you have to cauterize it, that is, you have to prick it, and you have to let all the pus out, and all that, the infection out, right, yeah, so pain is like that, right, so we have to look at all that, right, and of course, we must also remember in India, we are causing a lot of pain to a lot of people, by all the lynchings that are around, right, yeah, we might not feel the pain, but uh, the people are suffering, the people have to live in fear and anxiety, right, all the Muslims and the Dalits especially, right? Yeah, they actually, uh, all these things are painful, right? And also what happens is, as a child, you might uh, overreact to it, right? And that's exactly uh, what is happening over here, right? Uh, no need to remember the pain a blue frock woman caused, throwing words at me like pots and pans to drain that honey-colored day of peace, right? Now, the question is, you're throwing words at people, right? And uh, as adults, if somebody throws words and insults at us, we don't even care. Because we're Indians, right? And that's how Indians behave, right? I remember I had a, a, a person from Indonesia or Malaysia, one of those places, right? Who was, uh, I was teaching in the international center and I teach them, uh, this, they have a certificate course in English so that they can get into the university and they, uh, they have a certain standard of English, right? So I was teaching that to them. And the director was trying to hit at the Iranis. Yeah, mm, uh, you can imagine why, right? 
and uh, she went to the class and uh, they had this thing of paying $30 or something uh, and get a medical insurance and the course was ending, right? So these people didn't, uh, the university didn't pull it up, right? But uh, when the course was ending, she said, unless you do that, we can't give you the certificate because this is what the university says. Instead of saying that, she went and shouted at them and said, we know what freedom you have in your country, right? Now this person was very upset and she says, I will never go again. She was Korean, sorry. Yeah. I will never go to her class again because she's insulted me and I'm hurt, right? Yeah. So I told her something very important and I keep repeating that this, right? I, I uh, said to her, if you're going to stay in India, you have to get a knock in the morning from the time you get up, right? You'll get somebody who abuses you for no rhyme or reason just because they're having a bad day, right? Yeah, so that's India. You want to live here? You have to take all the kicks and off all the time, right? Yeah, and it's not, it's not only the British, but uh, it's the Indians who behave this way and that's it. If you can't take that, please don't come to India, right? Go and find somebody somewhere else, right? I said the same to a Canadian, uh, Canadian in the sense that he was uh, my classmate, a kind of classmate and a friend and he still is a friend. He's come back to India, right? And uh, he went to Canada. Yeah, and he's saying, well, and he's actually had fights with people and he's got beaten up because somebody said, shh, 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 when he was cycling down the road. He cycles from, he gets his cycle from Canada, he gets to Europe, right? He's got a whole uh, lot of friends, they cycle down the Danube, they, he does a lot of cycling, right? So he was cycling down to my place, somebody else's place, and somebody said, shh, shh, to him, right? And he got pissed off with them and he said, well, uh, do you know how to behave and all that thing? And he knows good Marathi, he's a Maharashtrian, right? Uh, and all that kind of thing, right? And they beat him up. They beat him up. Yeah, that's the way it is, right? Yeah, and uh, so I, I told him, I didn't know all that thing because I'm, I was meeting after him after a long time after him coming from Canada. And I said, look, if you're going to complain about India, you can't live here, right? In India, you have to get a knock every day. And if you can't live with that, right, and you're going to get up hurt and upset, you'll have, at the end of the day, you'll be hurt and upset, right? Now, that's a very important thing that we have to think about because we can see how people are treated, right? Whether it's Riyad Chakravarti or the person who is uh, lynched on the road, right? There seems to be no gentleness and no sensitivity at all for anybody, right? Yeah, and that's something that's terrible, right? We are, we are just a very, very inhuman kind of culture, right? Yeah, so uh, so when Kamala Das is saying all this, she's actually attacking the British, the British system of education, right? And uh, she's talking about the blue frock woman, right? And whether the blue frock woman is an Indian who will become Europeanized or it is talking about uh, a European woman, right? or an English or European woman or is talking about an Anglo-Indian woman, we don't know, right? Yeah, the only thing is the dress becomes a signifier of a different kind of a way of operation, right? And we're talking about a, a world in which the dress stands for colonization, right? So that's as interesting as it is because that becomes a metaphor for the colonial, right? Throwing words
words of me like pots and pans, right? So we talked about the pots and pans, right? And when you're pissed off, you just throw uh, pots and pans around and many people do that, they kick furniture, they do all those kind of things, right? Which post-Freudian, many people say, well, yeah, that's the way to get out your suppressed emotions, right? Yeah, so what we are talking about is, well, this is probably a very frustrated woman, right? So that's something else that comes up in the course of the poem, right? To drain the honey-colored day of peace, right? And of course, uh, I think yesterday's article, if you want, I can send it to you, right? Or, uh, yeah, I can send it to one of you and you can post it around. It's talking about the idea of don't look back in anger. It's in the Indian Express, if you've read it, right? Which is interesting, okay? And it's looking at it from a sociological point of view, right? Which is saying, well, what are we actually hitting out at all these people for, right? There's some kind of deep frustration and some kind of un unhappiness that we are all transmitting, right? And we all enjoy, enjoy this kind of uh, media which is uh, voyeuristic, right? Yeah, so that's something else that is talking about, right? So words of me like pots and pans to drain the honey-colored day of peace. Right? So the honey-colored day is important because uh, we're talking about honey and honey is supposed to be sweet, right? And that's what you call synesthesia, right? Yeah, synesthesia is this figure of speech where you use one kind of sense to talk about another kind of sense, right? If I say a green smell, right? A smell can be green, right? Yeah, it can be a bad smell a rotten smell, all those kind of things. But can you have a green smell or a red smell, right? It's smelling red, right? So we use synesthesia all, all the time. We talk about a loud color, right? If somebody wears shy, uh, very, very bright colors, right? We call, talk about them as loud colors and soft colors, right? So we're talking about sound in the sense of what you call uh, Visual, uh, individual sense, right? Yeah, a loud color, and we're talking about two senses and they're mixed together, right? And that's a typical kind of a figure of speech called synesthesia, right? So you might like to look at it and think about it, right? Yeah, so, uh, so the honey colored day of peace, right? Now, honey is associated with sweetness, right? And it looks like it's a golden day, right? It looks like a honey-colored day, right? And it's not uh, anything else of peace, right? And it's a peaceful day, right? And this is what happens on a peaceful day, which can happen to anybody all the time, right? But this is important because it hits child, right? And the child takes that very seriously, right? Yeah, uh, when, you, when you think about what happens between parents, right? And some of you will become parents someday, right? And you have a lot of fights between the parents and a lot of the children have very, very huge problems, right? And the parents don't realize it because they are adults and a word that is said from one parent to the other, people wouldn't even think about, right? Yeah, like for instance, there were some of my students and this happened in the holidays because we, they didn't appear for the uh, the entrance, uh, what's this called, the midterm exam, and I said, well, this is absolutely shameless, you're trying to bargain with me, 
and you are trying to give, ask me for a f walk away, right, without doing work, how shameless can you be, right? And one of the students said, well, shameless is too hard a word. I said, yes, but it has to be used, right? Because this is actually what it is, right? Yeah. So uh, the idea of just don't care about it, wanting a free degree, that's absolutely shameless, right? Yeah, so that's what I said, right? So the question is, how do people react to words, right? Yeah, and for a child, a word is very important, right? And if you attack a child, or if two people are fighting, right? Uh, sometimes, uh, well, there are different uh, kinds of children, like there are different kinds of people. Some children don't get affected at all, right? And some children do, right? And that's one of the reasons people put their children into boarding houses, right? So that the children don't uh, get a feel of all the family nonsense that's going on or the spats between the parents, right? And when they come back home, yeah, they have a nice time, they're treated well by the parents, all that kind of thing, and the parents are on their best behavior, right? Yeah, so I like, uh, uh, well, I'll read the poem out, uh, which is there on my wall, and every student who comes here uh, likes to look at it, right? Yeah, so the question is, if the parents behave themselves, then the children will become okay children, right? Yeah. And of course, we don't have schools for parenting, yeah? We have schools for everything else, but no schools for parenting. And this is something very important because it's not only about feeding the child, right? That's important, no doubt, right? But we also have to teach, we have to be sensitive to a child, right? And we don't want people to end up like Sushant Singh Rajput and commit suicide and all the kind of call, yeah? And that's because uh, that's by all the admissions that we've seen, right? That the parents are split, right? Now that's something that affects a child and it carries a child into adulthood, right? So we can look at all that, right? Yeah, so words in me like pots and pans to drain the honey-colored day of peace, right? So when you have a peaceful day and somebody just blows up, right? And many of us come across these days, right? Yeah, so you might have a nice and lovely day and somebody will just lose their temper, right? I actually uh, remember an incident when we were AMA students and uh, there was a classmate of mine, I do agree it's her fault, and this is a, a teacher who never would raise his voice or never would pull up any student, right? I don't know what happened to him, right? Yeah, so she came in late and it was a birthday, she was enjoying herself in the, the coffee shop and uh, in the in the canteen and giving treats to people and all that and then she came in late and she was talking away while she came in, right? And <laughs> the poor teacher of course might have found that suddenly his class, uh, which was very peaceful, is disturbed, right? So he, he said, please leave the class, right? Now that is an insult, okay? On your birthday, you might feel very insulted about it, right? But then, uh, he wouldn't know that it's a birthday and she had actually made a racket in the class, right? Yeah. So the question is, we have to look at it from the idea of the child, right? And maybe the child is oversensitive to the harsh words, right? Yeah. And uh, that's when we have to be very sensitive to children, especially when we are teaching them or even at the, in the house, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think two days ago was uh, this suicide day that's to see that people don't commit suicide and somebody put up something at the BBC, right? 
where two parents and they formed an organization of parents whose children have committed suicide, right? And it's very sad and terrible, in fact, to think of 11-year-olds and 14-year-olds committing suicide. And these people came out and talked about it, right? Yeah. So, uh, uh, of course, in Kamala Das's day, nobody, I don't think it was as complicated a world as that, right? But today it is, right? So how many child suicides do we have, right? So that's something that is important. But of course, uh, if you've read Hardy, if there are any English literature students, right, and you've read Hardy, when I was shifting from the maths department to the English department, uh, I was told to read Hardy. So I read his Jude Obscure and Tess of the Brubermills because they were the last two novels, right? And what was interesting is, well, I liked the, the style, I liked all that he's written, all that was very, very interesting. And one part of the book, I actually closed the book and I said, well, I just have to get out, right? Because it's just too much for me to take, right? And that's when you have this great tavern speech and two says, what one generation, two generations, three generations, four generations have not achieved, I've achieved in one day, right? And he stands up in the tavern and he gives this wonderful speech and he and, uh, uh, what's her name? Yes, and Jude and uh, uh, Sue, yeah. Jude and Sue go back uh, yeah, to, to their, their house, right? And of course, that's a living, right? Much before the living's over here. And they tell everybody that they're married, right? Today you don't have to, right? It's accepted, and even by law, it's accepted now in India, right? Yeah, so that was a living, and they had, uh, so he had the first wife, and this is a living with Sue, and they've had many children, right? And when they go back, they find the house is very quiet, right? And the eldest son has committed suicide along with all the other children, right? Yeah, so that, that was something that really hit me. I actually close the book and get out, right? Yeah? And of course, today you find uh, not Sushant Singh Rajput, he's a big name and he occupies a lot of space, but this happened in Gujarat, right? Somebody, uh, maybe in Baroda, or I don't remember which place, there's a person who's, because of financial uh, instability, I think it's in Baroda, right? I read it somewhere in the paper. He and his wife and the two, two girls, uh, we get them, uh, they get themselves killed. It's murder comes suicide, right? Yeah? And that's extremely troubling, right? So the question is, what happens uh, today? We have to be even more sensitive, right? And if we are teachers, right, we don't know what people are going through, right? Yeah, and uh, there's, there's also the question of children being very sensitive, right? So somebody shouts at them and they overreact, right? So all those things are important for us to think about. Yeah, so, and what happens is we might have a lovely peaceful day and somebody comes and shouts at us, right? Or we, it might be our birthday, we are in a good mood, somebody shouts at us and everything gets out of out of the way and you begin to say, what? It's my birthday. Don't they know it's my birthday? Right? Yeah, and of course, only when you're a grown-up, you'll say, well, they don't know it's my birthday. Even if it's my birthday, I shouldn't have done this. Right? Yeah? So, uh, these are things that happen. And the question is, what is the reaction? Yeah? What is the reaction? Right? Is the reaction in excess? Right? And you have to give the benefit of the doubt to the child because the child doesn't know what excess and what moderation is, right? We learn moderation only when we grow up, right? And in India, maybe we don't, 
right? Uh, at least the parent should be moderate, right? In the especially and not emotional when we deal with children, right? And we are, whether we like it or not, a very very emotional people, right? Yeah, and we let our emotions out, and it we, it doesn't even they don't even care about whether somebody else is going to be affected by our anger, right? Our hate, right? We can get that in the TV. We can get that all over, and this is a kind of unhappiness about being an Indian, right? I feel really horrible when all these things are happening because it means that we have no control and we are not educated at all. We have all this modern technology, but we don't mind hurting anybody, and we we think that's great and we, that's our right, right? Yeah. So the freedom of speech business has to be read with all the provisions that say in certain cases you can't say things, right? Freedom of speech doesn't mean you can talk against the Muslims, you talk against the Brahmins, you can talk against the Dalit, you can talk about everything. That's not freedom of speech, yeah? And anybody who tells you, well, we've got, we want to have freedom of speech, yeah? Freedom of speech is actually when you're talking against the government, which is suppressed, right? Yeah? So you can make your comments against the government, right? You can get, make your comments against the judiciary, right? Now all these are freedom of speech, right? You're not making a comment about an individual, right? And you're not attacking an individual person, right? And of course, what's happening in our judiciary is unfortunate, right? That the judiciary is scandalized. What does that mean, right? Okay, this is an institution. Institutions are cannot get scandalized, right? Yeah, though they're treated as persons, how can an institution get scandalized, right? And if the institution had to actually say that we are scandalized, the institution shouldn't have done all these things, right? Yeah, so I think uh, that's important, right? And uh, it becomes very complex, right? So when we're talking about why do kids commit suicide or why does everybody commit suicide? Because you can't put up with the complexity and the absurdity of living, right? That's there. And of course, Kamala Das doesn't commit suicide at all, right? And I don't stand with all the people who say, uh, there's no Kamala Das and she's committed suicide, she's married a Muslim and become a Muslim. That's not committing suicide, right? That's not committing suicide at all, uh, maybe metaphorically uh, for some people, right? But not for me, right? Because she's actually thinking of how do you live in... Uh, there is another writer which you might uh, like to read. Uh, I, of course, I don't like him because he's too male chauvinist, at least in one book called Zobra the Greek, right? But he, he converts to many religions, right? And after he, he has his truck with the religion, right? And has a feel, internal feel of the religion, he writes a novel, right? And his name is uh, Nicholas Kazantzakis, right? So he gets into trouble. He's written The Last Temptations of Jesus Christ, right? He, uh, the other book that I talked about is Zobra the Greek, right? Which is also a movie, right? So you can look at the movie if you like, yeah? Uh, fine. Uh, yeah, so I don't know whether I should stop or can I take a few minutes more? Yeah, uh, why don't you join the others? What a peculiar child you are, right? Now that's something very important, right? Uh, the idea of the herd mentality, right? So we have two kinds of kids. Some join the herd, right? Which today, of course, most Indians do, right? They don't think and they just join the herd. If everybody is saying this, yes, we'll do it, right? Yeah, and if you think you'll say, no, I don't want to do it. I 
I choose not to do it, right? Let everybody else go, I don't want to do it, right? So she is a different kind of a child, right? And uh, what is interesting is, uh, why don't you join the others, right? Now that's what the school is teaching you, right? <laughs> and that's what's sad about going to school, right? Because school makes you conform to a certain kind of behavior, right? Yeah, like for instance, taking attendance, right? And that's something that's disgusting, and I don't like it, right? Yeah, and using Microsoft Teams, right? That's again a conformist mentality, right? So you want everybody to conform to a certain kind of behavior, to a certain kind of ideology, and to a certain kind of a way of looking at the world, right? And if I don't want to conform to that, then uh, I am a bad person, or I'm out of the out of your school, or you don't even consider me as a good student, or you don't even consider me as a good human being, right? Yeah, and of course, what's sad, right? Looking at India today, right? We don't understand that people have to be different, right? And people have a right to be different, and people have a right to be individuals, right? And that's exactly what is interesting about this poem, because it's talking about India. It's talking about the fact that individuality is something that's not important at one level, right? And it's almost, uh, it's of course talking about the British system, right? Okay, you're talking about the British system and of course it's on the on the fringe of what you call independence, right? But the idea is everybody wants you to conform, right? Conform in religion, right? Conform in dress, right? Uh, conform in all that kind of thing. And the idea is, uh, the idea of educated people is to actually resist this kind of confirmation, right? Yeah, of course, nobody is a total non-conformist, right? So the argument is, well, I want to wear long hair, right? Because I want to not conform. But then you have a whole community of people who also wear long hair because they don't want to conform and you fit into that community, right? So these are kind of paradoxical things that we have, right, when we're talking about why don't you join the others, right? Yeah, so, and even the psychologists do all these uh, kind of problematic uh, categorization or stereotyping where you talk about somebody as a lone wolf, right? And the other one is a conformist, right? So the lone wolf will, if everybody goes that way, I go this way, right? Now that's something that even psychology, I think, has to respect, right? Because some people want not to be with the herd, but want to do something different, right? So you can uh, think about it, right? And look at the idea of being a non-conformist, right? Uh, Whitman has a poem called The Non-Conformist Tree, if I am not wrong, right? Yeah, so the idea of uh, uh, Walt Whitman, that's an American influence on India, right? Because we study Walt Whitman in his poetry, right? And of course, Walt Whitman is supposed to be influenced by a lot of Indian thought, right? Or he was not influenced and when he shows his work to Toro, Toro says, well, what you've written is in the Bhagavad Gita. He says, what is the Bhagavad Gita? I, not, uh, I, I don't know anything about it. Please, can you tell me about it, right? Yeah, so that's something interesting to think about because the idea of uh, how do you look at the world, right? And the idea of being non-conformist, right? So, uh, many of us might like to have our own fashion, right? 
and that's how fashions begin, right? Okay, and when you know all those things, then you have the guts to stand for who you are as an individual, right? So what she's doing is, she's talking as a feminist, right? At one level, yeah, she's talking as a post-colonial subject, okay? And she's talking as an individual who likes to be a non-conformist, right? Yeah, so uh, you might get some very interesting people like that. Like I had a classmate in the MA, and she said, well, I don't have money to buy a dress, right? And uh, I don't like wearing this dress, right? So what she does is she takes the scissors and she cuts, uh, I think she cuts the pants off, right? The jeans off, right? And the next day she makes it into a dress, right? So that's exactly how different she was, right? Yeah. So the question is, especially in India today, difference is not respected, right? Yeah, and we have a government who's trying to enforce an ideology of one nation and one individual identity and one, okay, which the Americans did long ago and they failed very badly, right? It's called the melting pot, right? Yeah, so the melting pot identity and the salad bowl identity are two kinds of identities that you had in the American system, right? And now they've opted for the salad bowl identity. That is, you are different, I am different, I respect your difference, you respect mine, right? It's like a salad bowl where it's together and everybody has their difference, right? Yeah, and that's why this po poem is very important and is talking about the politics of being, right? It's talking about the idea is, do you respect my individuality? Even a child and the child's individuality has to be respected. And of course, in India, nobody respects anybody. I don't know whether it's because of the caste system, right? Or whether because it's, we are too much in too many numbers, right? So the whole culture of India is very disrespectful, though we think we are respectful, right? We think that we are respectful to parents, right? We think we are respectful to our mothers, right? And I remember this incident when I was teaching uh, the outcast by Kunji Putin in Ferguson College. And there was one student who says, well, uh, uh, I asked him, how do you react to the novel? And he said, well, this woman shouldn't have done all these things. I said, what else was there for her, right? Because she was a Brahmin woman, right? And if she uh, was found out, right, because she was violent and had sex with all the men, because she was raped on her wedding day by, the, uh, by her brother-in-law, right, who was the eldest son, but he was not able to get married because he was deformed, right? So the second son, subverting the law, the second son gets married to her, right? And that's how she takes revenge because she was an educated woman, right? And this is a true story, right? You can read the book, right? And find out, right? So what's interesting about it is this boy comes and tells me, he says, uh, and that's in class, we respect our mothers, right? I said, really? Are you sure about the statement? Right? And he's looking around at all the girls and boys in the class and saying, don't we respect our mothers? Right? So I said, if my mother has five boyfriends, right, will I say that I respect my mother? So he said, no, 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 no. That's a prostitute. Right? Now, if you have that kind of a mentality, right, yeah, there is no respect. Right? So I said, what is the respect? And the whole class said, well, we respect the framework. If you have a mother who fits into this frame, then I respect, right? And if my mother doesn't fit into this frame, I don't respect, right? Yeah, so we're talking about mentalities, we're talking about frameworks, how do you respect, right? What is respect? If you have to 
conform to my kind of belief, right, or my system of the world, right, then you respect me. Otherwise, you don't respect me, and that's not respect, right? Yeah. If if I want to be different, you and you don't uh, and you're not allowing me to be different, right? Or you think that I'm a rotten person, right? Because I'm different from you, and I choose something different, right? Then exactly that's where exactly where the problem is, right? So this is a deep-rooted problem, right? Of course, people might say that Kamala Das is actually taking uh, the English uh, colonization and putting it onto us, right? But that's uh, not quite it, right? Yeah, and has colonization been so total in India? That's again a problem, right? It hasn't been, right? We've not been like Latin America. We've not even been like Goa, where in Goa, at least my people left Goa maybe 300 or 400 years ago, right? Uh, because of their cultural conversion, right? Yeah, they wanted people to wear frocks. They wanted people to eat with a fork and knife, right? Yeah, and that's when they said, well, we can't do all this, right? So that's the story. Yeah, and probably that's true, right? Because the idea of identity and clothing is something that's very important and that's what comes out in this first paragraph, right? Yeah, so at one level, the identity, right? And the idea is, I'm different, right? And from childhood, a lot of children like to say, I'm different. I don't want this, I don't want this. Then what do you want, right? Because I have nothing to give you, you have something over here. I don't want anything, right? That's what little children would tell you, right? Yeah, and you would ex accept the difference, right? And sometimes uh, parents force people, force children to eat or not eat, right? Yeah, and all those kind of things. And the child actually has a very, very bad time because the parents even go to the extent of beating them up, right? Yeah, and uh, that creates a lot of psychological damage and also sometimes physical damage, right? Yeah, so I'm sorry I talked too much. So any comments? Uh, is the first verse okay? And have I, yeah, so the idea of a peculiar child, peculiar, strange, odd, We'll look at the word uh, when we're studying, doing word study, right? But uh, that's, it's not a simple poem, right? It's talking about a complex kind of relationship with something that's called colonialism or post-colonialism, right? Colonialism slash post-colonialism, right? Because uh, that's this kind of, the idea of the post-colonial is also, what is a colonial? So many people say, that post-colonialism begins when we have the Europeans coming to India, right? Yeah, and we're dealing with them. That's what gives us this idea of the post-colonial, right? And you can't go back to before that, right? It's like this thing that we have in geometry, right? You had something called Euclidean geometry, right? And you have Descartes who comes up in uh, the 17th century, right? And he gives you what we use today, that's the X and Y axis, X, Y and Z axis, right? And the Carti it's called the Cartesian system of uh, geometry, right? Yeah. So when we talk about how did people in Euclid's day calculate a sphere or a circle or all that kind of thing, that's not, it's almost impossible to go back over there, right? Yeah. And the same thing with government structures, post-colonialism, democracy, all those kind of things, right? Yeah. So once you've learned all these things, how do you go back to an earlier past, right? Yeah. So if I'm brought up 
in a cosmopolitan world, right, a democratic world, a cosmopolitan world, a, a world that is secular, and suddenly you want me to go back to religion, how am I going to do that, right? Or how is the whole people going to do that, right? So all these things are very important questions that the poem raises, right, and asks us to think about what is identity, what is individual identity, right, what is a group identity, what is a woman's identity, right, and that's uh, something that we have to think about 